This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by TaylorMade. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow with the all-new Sim 2 driver, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Hey, good morning, folks. GTC on a Monday morning. Coming to you, TSN 1050, iHeartRadio, TSN.ca. Weeksy, how are you? This is a Monday kicking off. The sun is out. It's warming up. Golf season's around the corner, sir. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you looked at the rest of the forecast, unfortunately, for this week. It's not exactly <laughs> perfect, but a little uh, a little rainy, but that's okay. It's, what do they say? April showers bring May flowers, so it's actually March showers now because everything's moving back a little bit. But yeah, it feels yeah, closer w- to golf season, doesn't it? It does feel weird, though. You're right, because in the last like decade or so, I'll say even the last two decades, I've always kind of gone with, oh, no, like the weather patterns have pushed back. It's like... You know, what we used to get in March, we now get in April. And that good weather hangs around 30 days longer. I'm a little offside this year, Bob, because it's, it's coming in early. But I got to work all weekend, the match play. So I don't care if it rains all weekend when I'm working because I'm so selfish. Like that. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I got to say some bad news. You know, it's, you know things are turning because the skating rinks in the city of Toronto just all closed on Sunday. No more skating. And I have seen a few golf courses that are open. So there's the definite switch around. And now I'm not sure if I'd want to go out and play. Although yesterday was pretty good, like 12 degrees, 13 degrees maybe. So it might have been good for a couple hours. But I think I'll wait maybe till after the Masters. I did go outside yesterday and hit golf balls outdoors with Marty. Two of us wow. drove out and uh, went to the outdoor range and, uh, and and hit some golf balls. It was awesome. Yeah, just to get outside. We were warm. It was surprisingly warm. Bob. Now, would I play? No, I'm with you. I'm not going to play, you know, the mud, the this, the that. And it only stays warm for a short window, obviously, this time of year. But, I mean, it was nice to get out and, and, and swing the clubs and realize that we're that closer. And, hey, you're right. By the time we get to the other side of the Masters, and you know how busy everything is around Masters time, you can't really think about doing anything other than work the Masters anyway. But it'll be nice to know that when the Masters is over, likely it's time to go outside and play golf. Today, we're going to put a bow on the Florida swing. Uh, great stretch of golf. Matt Jones with the victory on the weekend at the Honda Classic. Sucked a lot of the drama out of the bear trap, really. Just kind of uh, kind of put it in cruise control, would you not say, Bob, for most of the Sunday? For him, for sure, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty good performance. You know, give him credit. That's a that's a remarkable amount of play. Great play. Uh, you know, to win any PGA Tour event is something else, but to win it by uh, by almost a, a unconverted touchdown is is pretty yeah. impressive play. And there, you know, listen, the bear trap did take its toll of uh, of golf balls. I I honestly think that in those three holes, there was I don't know how many balls that went in the water, but way more than seventeen at uh, at Sawgrass. There was especially on the first day when it was kind of windy. So that's uh, that's still it doesn't probably get enough credit for how difficult it really is. Right, which uh, is a lead into our poll results, which we'll get into uh, later in the show. We asked our uh, social media audience from TV last week, is this the hardest stretch on the PGA Tour non-major? Uh, we're going to do a Mr. Butcher giveaway, give away another $100 gift card for Mr. Butcher Meat. 
And we'll do that later on in the show. Also, Kevin Sylvester coming by this morning at 10.30. Kevin Sylvester from PJ Tour Radio, T to Green Radio in Buffalo. Former voice of the Sabres, Kevin, a good friend of mine. And he was on the call for the Honda Classics. So we'll put a bow on that. Of course, it's match play time coming up this week. This TV, we're, this week on TV, we're going to switch gears more for match play. We will do our brackets tell you who we like at the World Match Play this week coming up on uh, Golf Talk Canada TV on Wednesday. But we will talk along with Adam Scully in hour two. What are our dream matchups? If we were to have like a fantasy dream match play, who would you want to see, see play? You know, is it Seve versus Sergio? Is it Jack versus Tiger? We're going to jump into that. Winners, weird and what? But let's do some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. I should mention our friends at Sandbagger, they launched obviously last year. They're in hundreds of golf courses around the province of Ontario and now going to start distributing outside Ontario. But big week, I think we're two weeks away. I'll get the date, Bob. I think they're two weeks away from their big LCBO launch. So any of our listeners, any of our viewers just want to go try it, they can walk into an LCBO. If they haven't tried it already from their beverage cart, they can grab it at the LCBO. So we're going to look into that. That'd be fun. And it is starting to get into that summer season where you – you know, you start seeing those beverages kind of crawl their way back into the road. Uh, Matt Jones wins Honda 12 under par, Bob. That's good for a five-shot victory over Brandon Hagee. But really, the 61 on Thursday, we will hear from Matt Jones in the upcoming segment, but the 61 on Thursday was only the second time in the last 30 years of the Honda Classic that there was a round shot where it was a positive 10 shots against the rest of the field in uh, in strokes gained in a single round unbelievable uh, i mean 61 around there at, it's just it's just shockingly impressive the other player by the way tiger woods <laughs> imagine that <laughs> if you'd give me a guess i don't know <laughs> uh, it was a pretty remarkable performance and i don't want to say it came out of nowhere but but obviously it was certainly you know i didn't think it was really high on the radar this is a guy i don't know about you mark but when my, matt jones first kind of came on to the pga tour uh you know I don't know, maybe late 2007 to eight, something like that. I thought this guy was going to be a really big player. I thought he was he was going to be something. He had a lot of good finishes, um, and and now he's you know kind of just rounding into uh, uh, back into form from what was a pretty big sort of drop from his uh, from his last win on the PGA Tour. But uh, this one was definitely impressive. And when you you mentioned some of those numbers, I mean. Uh, strokes gained totally picked up 16 and a half shots on the field over the course of the week. I mean, that's just an absolutely stunning number. It's shocking. You're right, Bob. It's shocking. And I think to your point, um, it's so hard to win. You know, I mean, that I think to your point, you're like, yeah, we, you know, we expected that he would be maybe a four or five time winner on the PGA Tour if you were to take a look at the last seven years since his last victory. His last victory was 2014 Houston Open. That's a long time ago, and I think you know a four or five time winner. You and I could have easily projected after that victory at, in Houston. But how many guys do, do we see like this over over the years come and go? The, the perfect example for me, he is a multiple winner. But Charles Hell the Third, when you look at his career and his money and what he's done, and then you look, he's only got a couple of wins. Like it's shocking how hard it is to win, and the amount of guys that you can put in this category with Matt Jones. And here, here's one more interesting stat for you, Mark. This one uh, I found digging around here the late last night. This is the 33rd consecutive year 
that an Australian player has won on the PGA Tour. I love That's that stuff. By far and wide, the uh, the record for international victories, obviously outside of the United States. But yeah, isn't that amazing? Thirty-three well, years so in a row. The, I wonder like how many the, different yeah. players. Well, the the lineage and heritage, you know, Greg Norman, uh, I guess Steve Elkington, right? Adam Scott, uh, Ian Baker, Finch, uh, yeah, Wayne Grady, goes on I mean, yeah, exactly. Stuart Appleby, uh, Robert Allenby. yeah. So who was playing? Um, who was playing the Corn Ferry Tour this week? By the way, was he? I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. uh, Kepka out, knee surgery, uh, Masters in doubt. Um, I had no idea, or. He certainly didn't lead us to believe that this was as serious, apparently, as it was. I, I was expecting a couple days of rest, uh, a couple weeks of rest and, and getting ready, just doing kind of like a precautionary thing for Augusta. Not the case. We don't, we don't really know how, ex, you know, when you say surgery on a knee these days, it can be, yeah, they rip the whole thing apart or just put a little uh, arthroscopic in there. And sometimes those guys can be ready in a week or so. So we don't know exactly what the extent is, but... Anytime you do hear the word surgery as opposed to, oh, yeah, I just sprained my knee, uh, I think it's obviously your doubts as to whether or not he's going to be ready. Even if he is playing at Augusta National, is he going to be in any kind of shape to, to to contend or to compete, right? I mean, he's obviously not swinging a golf club this morning, so um, we have to kind of wait for the next drop of news to see exactly what the extent of this surgery is. And now, of course, Kepka joins Tiger Woods to skip the WGC match play this week. But other names skipping the match play, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Gary Woodland, which puts Ian Poulter, Van Ruyen, Long, Poston, and Fratelli in the field in Austin. So players still, even with the new format, even with the you know guaranteed three days of play within your pool to come out of your pool to get to the round robin one and done, there's still players that choose to take a pass on this. We saw it this week at the Honda Classic. You can't play every week, but this is a WGC event, and there's still players going, eh, not for me, Bob. It's weird, too. I mean, obviously, it shows you how much money's out there. There's a lot of dough to be uh, had because there's, a, there's no – everyone who, who's there is going to leave with a check. Now, Gary Woodland, I can understand. Tiger Woods, I can understand. You know, Woods is injured. Woodland mm -hmm. is still – on the uh, COVID list, I'm assuming, yep. and uh, Scott, right. Rose, and Kepka, the three that kind of go, hmm, I don't know, but uh, Rosie pulled out, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, and so I don't know, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting mix of players who choose not to go in, and I'm sure they all have their, their reasons. On the other side, we're going to hear from Matt Jones. Uh, before we do, though, I... I understand the format change, and we're going to break this down a little bit deeper this week on Golf Talk Canada Television because, A, you, uh, you Adam, and I are going to run through our brackets, who we like. We're going to do our March Madness, etc. We're going to break down the fantasy side of this in our TSN Edge segment for Golf Talk Canada Television this week. Uh, and I'm also going to ask your opinion and get you to break down maybe a little deeper your thoughts on this, but I'm just curious. Like, after now that we've seen this a couple years, I understand why we've gone to this format, but do you like it or do you prefer the old one and done? Do you prefer the pure one and done starting Wednesday? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, all I can do is compare it to what's going on in March Madness and you see some of these big names falling. And to me, that gets the excitement, the shock, the drama kind of mm -hmm. pumped up. Plus, it's always good. It's a little different in basketball, but it's really cool to see some of these underdog teams kind of going on a bit of a run. And uh, and I don't know if that's quite the same if, you know, when you get to Sunday, do you want two guys that are kind of, 
um, not big marquee players in your final for the for the match play or not. I don't know. It's uh, um, I, as you said, I see why they do it, but I I think I would prefer the one and done format. See, I'm with you. I love the one and done. I love the pure bracket system. It was golf's version of March Madness. I personally prefer it. Thought it was great. But I also understand why. They're protecting a TV audience here. That's, I think, all this is, Bob. Right. They're just increasing the likelihood of getting big names in the finals to protect a TV number, thus protect advertisers and sponsorship on Sunday. This is strictly a money play and has nothing to do with excitement of format or what the fans may or may not like. This is how do we protect the sponsorship? How do we protect the advertising? And potentially, Bob, how do we protect the field? Because, yeah, we've got a few guys choosing to take a pass this year, but if you recall the last year of the one and done, what do we have, like eight, nine major guys just decide not to play it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the guys just don't want to show up to play one one round of golf and go home. I mean, you got, I think it was Kevin Sutherland and Scott McCarron one year in the final. And, uh, you know, I don't know, no offense to those guys, but uh, the next year, <laughs> next couple of years, you had Tiger, you had Tiger Woods in the final and uh, Tiger Woods playing Davis Love one year, I remember in the final too. So uh, you want the, it, and listen, it's, it can still happen. You can still get the upset. So I guess for these guys, the, making the long trip to play three three rounds of golf is a little bit easier to swallow. Yeah, very much. I love the golf course too. Uh, there in Austin, the Pete Dye course, they set it up perfect. A couple drop the drivable par four, and in fact, this time around, the way these guys are hitting the golf ball, we might see more than one drivable par four. Uh, and it kicks off uh, Wednesday, five days right of the match play and extended uh, yeah. calendar. And uh, again, we'll break it down this week as well on Golf Talk Canada TV. On the other side, we'll hear from this week's winner, Matt Jones. He wins the Honda Classic. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow with the all-new Sim 2 driver, only from TaylorMade. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by smartgolfdeals.com. The smartest way to shop for golf. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Week. Scully will be by momentarily. Matt Jones, second career win, 2014 Houston Open was his last victory. Bob, listen to some of these numbers. You said he gained close to 16, just over 16 shots. Strokes gained total to the field. Ridiculous. It was a five-shot win. It was a parade. Nearly 95% of his greens in regulation, 94.44%. The weekly average was 72%, more than 22% better, 94.44%. That's insane. Who hits close? Almost He almost didn't miss a green the entire week. Yeah, when you're on, you're on, right? I mean, that's the craziest part about this thing is that it, it, it for us, not knowing what Matt Jones has been through, you know, I mean, he went through, he lost his card and do all that. But even just in recent form, you don't sit there and say, yeah, I think he's trending. I think he's a guy. He just seems to come out of nowhere. I'm sure he's put in countless hours on the range trying to do this. But even with that, this is a pretty magical, not one round, but four rounds. Well, even taking a look at this. So on Sunday, he hit close again, close to 95% of his greens and regulation on Sunday. 
Every day, he basically made it stress-free by finding a lot of the putting surfaces with his iron play. On a golf course that you and I and, and Scully have talked about, there's there's trouble everywhere. You start missing targets at PGA National, you're starting to take penalty strokes. Not a lot of chances to get up and down, especially if you miss to the wrong side. This season on the PGA Tour, he's averaged 67% green in regulation. So on, on average, he was better than, than about 20% better on a daily basis in this tournament than he has been all year, Bob. Is that not insane? Oh, it's it's ridiculous. It's a, another stat here. His 14.3 strokes gained T to green for the week, the most by any player over four rounds at the Honda Classic since they began tracking the, the statistics 15 years ago. He was in the top 10. Uh, in the week for strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained around the green, strokes gained approach, and greens in regulation. Yes, pretty good week for Matt well, this Jones. Is what I, and when you do that, guess what? You win by five shots. Okay, let's hear <laughs> from Matt Jones. He had the chance to speak with Golf Channel immediately following his second career victory. Matt, it's been seven years since you last won on the PGA Tour. What gave you the belief that you would be back here in the winner's circle? Uh, I mean, I've had some tough times in between that and now, but uh, sorry. Pretty emotional. Seven years, so um, I just worked hard. Um, I had some tough times putting, but uh, just worked hard with my coach back in Australia, Gary, and uh, it's finally come paid off. As you alluded to, it's been an emotional ride for you. How were you able to keep everything in check coming down the stretch here, yeah, trying to finish this off? It was probably the calmest I've been for a golf tournament for four straight days, um, and especially, I mean, you can't get a tougher golf course to win on than this one in these conditions. Um, so to be able to do that on this golf course is amazing and uh, something I can build on for the future, hopefully. Congratulations. Thank you. There he is, Steve Sands, trying to make somebody else cry again at the end of the way to get rid of that, right? <laughs> uh, Bob, you know what he, he, he kind of, he didn't come out and say it there, but he, he alluded to a few long kind of dark stretches. He considered retirement. Uh, Matt Jones. He actually, the, the R word, as he said uh, earlier this week, popped into his head. It's amazing to me how close some of these guys are to thinking that, hey, I just can't do it anymore. And then all of a sudden, it's the calmest I've ever been four days in a golf tournament. This game is so confusing. Yeah, it, uh, kind of the exact opposite of what Daniel Berger said when he was winning. You know, he said he had a heart attack on every hole. And and you sort of think now to to a guy like Matt Jones, who, as you said, on the verge of retirement, comes out wins. Now he's got you know big payday. He's got two year exemption, two plus year exemption. Really, uh, I mean, it just changes everything for you. And at forty years old, you probably don't expect those kind of things. You hope for them and you work for them. But let's face it, there are so many good young players on the PGA Tour. It's tough for forty year old guys to win. And now we will come into a different stretch of golf. I love the Florida swing. We'll talk a little bit about the Florida swing with Kevin Sylvester, and we'll cover it a little bit in Winner's Word and What. But the gears, Bob, certainly change now because now we are in the match play. Opposite field event of the match play this week is the uh, Punicana Championship in, in the DR. Then we go Valero, Texas Open. So we're staying in Texas again for a second event. Of course, that's your last chance to punch your ticket to go to Augusta, which we saw Corey Connors do a couple of years ago. Masters, of course, uh, then the following week. And then we go to Heritage, New Orleans team event. Back to, back to Florida for a one-off with a vault for the Valspar Championship, which seems to be just an odd spot in the calendar. And then a really difficult golf tournament, the Wells Fargo, 
And then, of course, the AT&T Byron Nelson into the PGA Championship, our second major at Kiowa Island. But the, the style of golf now, it, especially until we get to Augusta, certainly changes. And then, the, of course, the team event following Augusta. Um, are we, are, do you think, are we back into the 20 unders? Are we going to start seeing the, back to some of those numbers again and the hard stretches kind of over minus Augusta at this point? Yeah, I think there'll be a few spots here and there that'll pop up that kind of do it. But you're right, it's, it's a much different kind of looked at the schedule. You got the Texas two-step uh, coming up here to start, you know, to lead your way in. I remember the old days when it used to be the Bell South in Atlanta that would lead its way into uh, to the Masters or when it was the uh, Houston would use, lead it into the Masters. So there's, they've, you know, the, ch- the schedule has certainly changed and moved back and forth and tried to find something that fits. But, but I think it's, first of all, I think it's too hard to have play nothing but ridiculously hard golf courses all the time. And I think these guys like to light it up once in a while and go the 18 and 20 and 22 unders and stuff. But, uh, but you're right. The, uh, that to, to me, the next three weeks on the schedule are kind of fun weeks because you're kind of looking and see who's informed for that for going into Augusta. And of course, uh, we heard some comments from Jack Nicholas this weekend about the schedule, about the Honda Classic. We'll get into that in Winners Weird and What. But if you look at the schedule. Uh, and you, you understand the conversations that have happened with Keith Pelly and, and trying to align their tour as well with the PGA Tour, potentially in some scheduling uh, uh, maneuvers. There's a lot of things that stand out to me here. For instance, Bob, AT&T, Byron Nelson, then we'll head to Kiowa for the PGA Championship and then head right back to the same neighborhood for the Charles Schwab Challenge. So, I mean, it, it kind of doesn't make sense to break those tournaments up. So I expect to see Valspar next year back as well into the Florida swing instead of a standalone separation. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of the tour. And part of this, of course, is because of the Olympics, which we don't deal with in 2022. And hopefully we have a Canadian Open in 2022 that's right where it should be, which is leading in to a U.S. Open, which is what we're all waiting for. And hopefully better days ahead for everything related to COVID. Okay, on the other side, the host of Tee to Green Radio, as well as uh, play-by-play announcer for PGA Tour Radio, my good friend Kevin Sylvester, will join us on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino and Weeks, Adam Scully coming by in hour two. We'll talk fantasy matchups in the world ma- golf match play in the second half of the show. Winners, weird, and what? couple of our Canadian boys in the World Golf Championship. At the end of the hour here, we're going to give away a $100 Mr. Butcher gift card on the other side. But now it's time to put a bow on the Florida swing. Welcoming into the show now, good friend of mine, broadcaster on the PGA Tour radio team, as well as the host of Tee to Green Radio, as well as the former voice of the Buffalo Sabres, and most importantly, one half of the Great Lakes Mafia team, of PJ Tour Entertainment, Kevin Sylvester. Kev, how are you this morning, man? I, I'm great, and uh, what an introduction, and I'm glad I wasn't the weird in the winner's weird and what. <laughs> hey, it's not over yet, buddy. You can still make it. <laughs> uh, so, Matt Jones, he kind of sucks the drama out of it. Is that is that fair 
to say on on Sunday, Kev, that he sucks the drama out of it. But when you hit close to ninety five percent of your greens, when you have the lead, that ki- that's kind of what's going to happen, is it not? Yeah, you know that's that's the interesting thing, right? Uh, sometimes you know we have uh, you know what we nickname parades, right, uh, coming down the final stretch on the PGA Tour, but that's because uh, the player is playing so well and so much better than the rest of the field. And that was Matt Jones uh, yesterday. And uh, it was interesting. You know, he had that lights-out opening round and then just kind of played it safe, if you will, and took advantage of some uh, good shots uh, when he needed to. And he didn't have to do anything crazy after that, that fantastic opening round. You know, there was going to be some drama. Aaron Wise was putting some pressure on and then just, uh, that that blow up at ten, which was uh, inexplicable and frightening to watch, uh, with the, with the four putt on the tenth green. Kevin, when you, when you look at a guy like Matt Jones, who is I don't want to say he's disappeared off the PGA Tour, but he certainly fell from our consciousness as a guy who was a competitor, a guy who was in there, you know, mixing up to to win every week. Is it is it inspiring to see a story like a forty year old guy? basically come back and and uh and grab a win like this and you can see how emotional he was at the victory when he was being interviewed after it is do you do you take some do you like that kind of a story oh i i love that kind of story and i think it's uh, what makes the game of golf great is that we've had several of these players this year uh you know overcome these gaps in between victories on the pga tour uh, you look at Stuart Sink all the way back to the Safeway Open. And their players in their 40s, Sergio Garcia, Sanderson Farms Championship, although it wasn't that long of a gap. But uh, to see players in their 40s, to me, says a, a couple of things. They have rededicated themselves with all the youth that are, come on and win. Guys like Aaron Wise, who won his rookie year on the PGA Tour, just as an example. And they put the work in, and the technology and the fitness allows them to compete with the, the younger, better-fit players on the PGA Tour. And for a guy like Matt Jones, you know, when he won, it was a dramatic victory, you know, at the Houston Open when he chipped in from off the green to beat uh, Matt Kuchar in a playoff in Houston. And it was one of those, you know, coming out of nowhere wins. And then you're like, well, okay, where's this gap here? But but he's won the Australian Open. He won it in 2019. So he won internationally. So he's played well in other parts of the world. And just hasn't had that success in the PGA Tour, I think, in one in large part because the competition is so tremendous on the PGA Tour week in and week out. And he just had a fantastic ball striking week in very tough conditions. Kev, I, you know, I love Riviera. One of my favorite golf courses on the PGA Tour. The, the players echo that uh, quite a bit. I, I love when we keep uh, the Texas two-step together, which is split up. I know we have a Texas two-step coming up this week, but when we go with uh, Byron Nelson and Charles Schwab back-to-back, those are great back-to-back weeks, this year separated by Kiowa. But is the Florida swing now the best stretch on the PGA Tour? And, and think about this. This year, Valspar has been separated from the, rema- the rest of the Florida swing, which potentially moving forward in non-Olympic years that it will be back in on the Florida swing. With that golf course at Copperhead being an absolute beast, I, I just find it very hard when I look at the schedule year in and year out to find a better stretch of golf than the one we just concluded. Well, I, I, I agree as far as level of competition and difficulty of golf course and difficulty of conditions. I mean, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, that is not an easy golf course and not an easy field with uh, the re-emphasis on 
celebrating Arnie's legacy with top players showing up. And he saw how much it meant to Bryson DeChambeau to win uh, the API uh, because he looked up to Arnold Palmer, the influence he was on golf. And I think we're going to see more of that moving forward. Uh, the Players' Championship, I don't think you need to say anything about the Players' Championship uh, with, with the field and golf course. And P.J. Nashville is such a typical golf course. Although Jack Nicholas did say that he, he thinks it will be in a better spot next year schedule-wise, so more top players will play. because it, it was kind of a tough week this year with the Players' Championship the week before and the WGC uh, match play coming up next week and some players electing to, to rest or, you know, prepare more after the Players' Championship. But yeah, it is. A, and he still had Bells Bar right there, which some believe Innisbrook might be the best golf course in Florida. Um, you know, the Copperhead. Uh, that, that could be uh, just a fantastic stretch of golf, for sure. All right, you mentioned the Dell Match Play, Dell Technologies Match Play, and uh, Mark and I were debating a little bit earlier in the show as to whether or not we love the one-and-out format as opposed to the pool format and judging by my uh, NCAA bracket uh, right now <laughs> I'm not sure which way I'm leaning but uh, there's a lot of X's crossed out names on my on my NCAA bracket but but for as far as golf goes I know I know they won't go to it because the players don't want to just come for one week but but what do you don't you think it's a little bit more exciting if we get a few uh, upsets like they do in the NCAA Oh, yeah, I, I, I do, um, you know, and you had that early on. Um, but I will say this. I, I think when they put the pods together, there are matchups that you want to see. And to be the best player coming out of your pod, I think there's something to say for that. And anybody listening who plays in a, a member guest where they play matches and you play everybody to come out of that for a playoff, I, I look at it as kind of a similar deal. And, you know, there have been times where, hey, I don't want to get to play that guy. How can he, how can he beat me? I get a chance to beat him. So I, I think they've come up with a nice compromise uh, on that. Um, you know, and, and to, to me, I, I want to see Rory McElroy play Bryson DeChambeau if they wouldn't be in the same pod. But if they were in the same pod, uh, for example, yeah, I want to see that matchup head-to-head that you would only get perhaps maybe in a final. So I think they've done a nice job. I love the event. I think it's a great event. Um, and, and that golf course is fantastic. I don't know why the members don't switch it around like they do for the tournament. It just seems like it's odd routing for regular play because the front nine there is actually the back nine. <laughs> We're with Kevin Sylvester, T to Green Radio and TV, former voice of the Sabres, play-by-play announcer, PGA Tour Radio. Kev, all right, you spoke of the match play. You brought up Rory, Bryson. We're only a few weeks away from Augusta. The only one really showing any pure form right now is probably Justin Thomas off of his win at the Players' Championship. Certainly Bryson DeChambeau seems to be able to contend or win, uh, it seems, on any golf course right now. DJ, I don't want to call it a slump because it's not a slump. It's just a couple of weeks where maybe he didn't have his best stuff. But Rory's lost in the wilderness. Uh, Bob and I were speaking last week. You know, if we had to pick a favorite for Augusta right now, we weren't too sure if there is a favorite for Augusta right now. If you had to pin a tail on the donkey, so to speak, of a favorite, if the Masters was starting Thursday, who's your favorite? Boy, that's a great question, right? And, uh, you know, I was waiting for Rory to make some noise this year, and then it was kind of interesting really to hear him admit that he was chasing distance, which sounds weird. For Rory McIlroy, who... Uh, was arguably the best driver of the golf ball all around on the PGA Tour. Um, but I, I think given the fact that he's admitted 
he's got to find some things. He would not be my pick. I'm going to go with John Rahm. Um, I, I think John Rahm is, has to now be um, accustomed to his new equipment. Uh, he's a fantastic player. And I think we're going to see John Ron make some noise here in, in the next month or two. And obviously, he'd love to do it at, at Augusta National. So if I had to pick somebody today, I'd go with John Ron. All right, Kevin, I can't let you go without asking you this question. You know that the Monday after the Masters is a very important day for TSN because it's trade deadline. What's going to happen? <laughs> What's going to happen with the Sabres? What's going to happen with those boys uh, down there? Oh my gosh! You know what? It is so it's so sad, frankly, what has happened uh, to the franchise. You can call it the curse of me leaving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I joke with everybody around town. It'll be like, "Hey, aren't you the Sabers TV guy?" I'm like, "Yeah, I used to be when they were good." Um, <laughs> and they, and, they, and they, haven't, they haven't been since. This is I'm just stating facts, guys. But. Um, they've got to make moves. Kevin Adams, um, who I know and like, and I, a lot of people are worried, oh, he's a rookie GM. I guess, and this guy played in the league. It's well-connected. Um, I, I have full confidence in Kevin Adams that he's going to turn things around, but it is a massive rebuild that they have to do. And, you know, a lot of people wonder about uh, Jack Eichel, you know, if they're going to move him. Uh, you know, it's tough to trade players like that, but you have it one with them, and with so much, so many things they have to rebuild, he has to really consider moving one of those high picks, whether it be Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, or Erasmus Dahlin, because they just haven't done anything with him. So, you know, much like uh, I look at it as Joe Thornton back in the day with the Boston Bruins when he got traded to San Jose. I mean, that trade set up that foundation that built the Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins. So, um, I believe me, I, I know Kevin Adams doesn't want to do it, but he wouldn't be doing a job if he doesn't consider it. But they've got to move Stahl. They've, they've got to move... Taylor Hall, I mean, these guys have expiring contracts. You've got to move them for something. Kevin, before we say goodbye to you, uh, have you had the clubs outside yet? Are there any courses open in Buffalo, et cetera? And uh, what's up next for you? What's the next uh, PGA Tour radio event? Well, it's funny you say that, uh, Mark, is back in Buffalo today, and my club is opening up this afternoon, 1 o'clock. So I am going to play golf this afternoon. Um, and I can't wait to get out there. Um, and I'm sorry if you're jealous. Uh, number two, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in San Antonio uh, next week for the Valero Texas Open. All right, buddy. You have a great trip. Enjoy your round. Hit it well. Make some putts. Kick off the uh, 21 season uh, the way it should be kicked off. And uh, hope to see you in person soon. Hearing, uh, hearing a lot of good rumors about potential uh, borders being opened sometime in the middle of May and maybe potentially fully open by uh, July 4th weekend. So let's keep the fingers crossed and we can all get moving around again and play some golf this summer, Kev. Yeah, everybody in Buffalo is rooting for the border to be open. It's so important uh, for our business and, you know, uh, the region, southern Ontario and Buffalo-Niagara region for business and, uh, you know, folks that we love coming to canada so yeah we're absolutely looking for that to be open stay safe play well we'll talk to you soon kev okay guys good talking to you see ya kevin sylvester pj tour radio t to green radio and tv and uh off to play golf buck in buffalo who would have thought that wow. on on today's day eh? unbelievable I, I didn't 
I never would have guessed that. I would have thought, uh, I mean, I know there's a few courses opening it around Toronto, but not the, not the member ones, I don't think. But I don't even know if our golf course has the tarps off yet. <laughs> I don't know, but I know we have some courses open in uh, southern Ontario. I do know that, so get out there and yes. play. And the, the city courses, I see, are starting to open as well, the Toronto City Very courses. Nice. So there Very you go. Nice. So on the other side, Bob, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give away some meat, baby. Yeah. That's what we're going <laughs> to <laughs> Mr. Butcher gift card. We're going to do our trivia question. We're going to open up the phone lines on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. As we put a bow on hour one, hour two, we're going to have winners, weird and what, fantasy world match plays, uh, draws. We're going to talk about Canadians and some of their upcoming schedules. Because, Bob, the LPG is back this week, is it not? Don't we have Brooke playing? There we do. It's at the Kia Classic, a place, a course where you and I and producer Adam Scully have played several occasions, yes. where Adam Scully made a dramatic eagle on one hole, uh, holding right. his, uh, his what, what did you hit, Scully? Five iron? Six iron? Wedge? What was it? I don't know. Wedge. Wedge. Something, something short. <laughs> he's, giving wedge. Me, he's giving me the eye sign here, telling tell me it was a wedge, but... And, and uh, Michelle Wee. The... Michelle Wee's back in the field this week, which oh, is Oh, really? Good. Okay, well, I love Aviera Golf Club. And yes. we had a great time there with Nick uh, and the TaylorMade guys. Remember, we played 18 at Goat Hill, and then we had lunch at In-N-Out Burger, and then we played 18 at Aviera, so 36 in the one day. That was one of the best golf days we've had in a very long time. If you were to describe a perfect day, that would be pretty close to it, if you're a golf lover. <laughs> if you love golf. so. All right, now speaking of burgers and speaking of meat, let's open up the phone lines. 870-1050, Mr. Butcher.ca is the place. Let's give away a $100 gift card for the first correct answer. We want to know. Matt Jones just won his second PGA Tour event. We want to know what was his first, what year, and what event. It's been a long haul. It was a long time ago. What was Matt Jones' first PGA Tour victory? The year, the event, 870-1050, 870-1050, Mr. Butcher, we're going to give away a $100 gift card. It's Mr. Butcher, M-I-S-T-E-R, Butcher.ca, 870-1050. When, what year and what event did Matt Jones win his first PGA Tour victory? 870-1050. Okay, we, should make the, we, should make the, we should make the questions tougher. So, like, the, the, next week the question is going to be, name the winner Name the first time he won an event and name every player in the field that he beat. <laughs> I love I'm it. Just looking at, I love it. I love I'm just it. looking at Chris on the board going, he's taking all the calls, you know, so he's yeah, just going, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, I don't want that and one. It would blow up. All right. Uh, we want to know Matt Jones. He was his second career victory this week. Uh, when was the last? What year and what event was his first for $100 Mr. Butcher gift card? Okay. Uh, we asked our Twitter audience uh, in Universe, Bob, uh, what was the hardest stretch of golf on the PGA Tour non-major? Bear Trap waxes the field, 66%. Uh, 15 for Pebble, Cliff, Cliffs of Doom, 12% Green Mile, 7% other. But the Bear Trap walks away in a landslide. Doesn't necessarily mean the best stretch 
the, what the question was the hardest, and it walks away in the landslide. And you know what? You you mentioned it earlier off the top of the show, the, the, the excessive amount of golf balls that were hit into the water this week at the Bear Trap. And the tees were up on several days. I don't know yeah. if you noticed that. So, I mean, they don't even have it set up as hard as they could. Like, uh, th- there, was, there were a couple of days where guys were hitting short irons in there. Well, there was a lot. And there was a lot of days where there were uh, guys on good runs, and then just you know absolutely got hit a like hit a brick wall. Uh, Keegan Bradley on Saturday was going along, and then boom, and then uh, obviously Austin uh, Aaron sorry Wise had that terrible. He didn't have the bear trap, but he had another one. But there was a couple of guys that went in to the bear trap looking good and came out and sort of bedraggled as we've seen over the years. It is, and I think when the wind is up, uh, it is. I don't know. It is one of the toughest stretches of golf, and and as you said in that. Uh, in the pole, um, you know, there are some tough stretches out there. In fact, I heard there's one one that I'd never heard of this week at Corrales Punacana called the Devil's Elbow. Uh, I hadn't heard that one before, but but we'll have to watch for that one this week. But um, there aren't many stretches that I can think of where such calamities happen over three holes uh, as opposed to, say, one hole at the Players' Championship than the Bear Trap. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's a fine stretch annually. I I think uh, I think our Twitter universe got it correctly. And and again, we're coming off a week where I think the best, you know, the players' championship, the best finish. Just I guess there's difference between what's the hardest and what's the best. Not a shot at the bear trap. Bear trap's fantastic, but I mean, 16, 17, and 18 at the Stadium Course Sawgrass. I think you know you and I agreed anyway that that was the. The finest the stretch in terms of finish in, in in annually on the PG Tour. I always say annually, Bob, because if there are like we get the old course in St Andrews, we get Carnoustie once Carnoustie. in a while, we get uh, U.S. Open courses. Well, never mind. We're going to come up in May uh, to Keough Island, the Ocean Course uh, for you know the PGA uh, for the PGA Championship. So we see some great courses over the years that we don't get annually that had to have amazing stretches on them. And you know what I'm hopeful for, Bob? We got the PGA Championship now in May. Now, over the next few years, we know what the schedule looks like, right? We know where we're going for majors. There's not a lot of holes. There might be the odd hole, but there's not a lot of holes in the schedule. I'm hoping that we see the PGA Championship go to some more, I don't want, for lack of a better term, daring. Does that help? You know, daring issues uh, in terms of courses, like pick some things that are maybe a little bit off the radar to take the PGA Championship now that it's May. Yeah, it's yeah, I guess it's you know, it's fair. It's uh, you get into certain times when you get um, weather determinations or courses, their setups change things. Uh, You know, when I was I was actually just thinking, (laughs) what's the hardest opening hole in golf? Well, it used to be Augusta, I would think. But now they just hit it over the bunker. Do you remember when they had to actually play around the bunker on the opening hole in Augusta? Do you remember those (laughs) days? Remember when they couldn't get up to the top of the hill? Like a good drive was sort of two-thirds of the way up the hill. Yeah, blind shot Uh, up the hill. So that's a good question. That's a great question, Bob. Let's sit on that one for for next week. Let's let's sit on that one for next week. Uh, Getting some information from uh, Master Producer Adam Skelly here. We're having problems with the phone lines. So if you're calling 870-1050 to get through to win the $100 Mr. Butcher gift card, we're going to do it an hour or two. The engineers are on their way. They're going to refix. They're going to get up the telephone pole. 
and uh, figure it out. And uh, if someone's got to stand up there with the antenna, we will give away the $100 Mr. Butcher gift card. We'll do it an hour or two when they get the phone lines uh, fixed. So, uh, And if they sorry. don't get the phone lines fixed, if they don't get the phone lines fixed, Chris says he says he gets to keep the meat. Well, that's the other thing, so. too. Chris is going to stop answering the phone and take, take away the $100 exactly. gift card is what's going to happen. And, I, and can you blame them? Can you blame them? So, again, Not we're looking all. for what year and what tournament did Matt Jones win his first PGA Tour event. And we'll do it in an hour or two uh, when we fi- get these uh, phone lines uh, fixed. So our apologies if you're trying to call and you're trying to get through because you want that gift card. So, And for everyone who wins... We will be putting your name into a draw for a summer barbecue for you and nine of your best friends, 10 people, big barbecue, Mr. Butcher Barbecue Bash. Our friends from Sandbag are going to be out for that. Uh, We're going to give away that grand prize for all our winners throughout the summer in August. Speaking of winners, 20 Weeks of TaylorMade returns the week of the Masters. Follow us at Golf Talk Canada. You need to follow us at Golf Talk Canada, Twitter and Instagram. If you want your chance at 20000 over 20000 in tailor-made product throughout the summer, grand prize, tour experience, through the bag, full set on the 20th week, that is the grand prize. But we're going to give away Sim 2 drivers, Sim 2 fairway woods, iron sets, wedges, spider putters, TPX golf balls. We're giving away TB5 golf balls. We're giving it all away throughout the summer on 20 weeks of tailor-made. But the only way you can win, follow us. On social media, at Golf Talk Canada, and more announcements coming there as well. Okay, hour two. We're going to kick it off with Adam Scully joining Bob and I. What would our dream matchups be? If we had a fantasy, could go back in time, could see any division, any brackets, any finals. It is open season. Fantasy bookings. What would your dream match play scenarios be in the world of golf? We'll do it next. On the other side, this is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And welcome back. Golf Talk Canada Hour 2. Welcome in now, Adam Scully. Skulls, what's going on, brother? Be here looking forward to this week. It's golf's version of March Madness. I'm super excited. Yeah, it is an exciting time. I like anything different. As you guys know, anybody who listens or watches Golf Talk Canada, I think anytime we any of us get anything different, we get excited because, you know, and, and no, mind you, the modern schedule, we do get a lot of different compared to, what say, what we did 10, 15 years ago. And this is certainly one of those weeks, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But it got us talking. It got us talking kind of off the air about, you know, what would, what would a dream scenario be and some of our dream matchups? And 
Bob, let, let's start with you. Like, if you know, you've watched golf and covered the game for so long. In your mind, like, if you could come up with, you know, dream final fours, dream finals, divisions, like, where did you go? If it was, like, carte blanche and, and there were no rules, there were no regulations, what, where would you go? Because my brain went somewhere that was really kind of weird, but I'll let you go. That, that's a shock, Mark. That's a shock, Mark. I, uh, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. But, but, uh, but uh, no, I came up with a couple. I mean, there's there's some obvious ones. Obviously, Tiger and Phil would be a great one, right? We, we've we've never really seen something like that. That would be kind of cool in their heyday. Uh, another obvious one, and we've seen it before, uh, not at the match play, but at the, the Ryder Cup with uh, Patrick Reed and, and Rory McIlroy again. I like that one. But a little different, uh, two, two other ones that came to for me, which were a little bit different, I'd love to see, would be Bryson DeChambeau versus Jim Furyk. The long <laughs> and the short. <laughs> and it reminded, me, it reminded me of a story that the great Marlene Street uh, told me. She used to play, she played in a couple of U.S. amateurs against Joanne Carner. Her name then was uh, Joanne Gunderson. She wasn't married. They called her the Great Gundy. And anyone who knows Marlene Street knows she's a very diminutive woman. You know, she's five foot and not very, not very big. But she, she was so deadly with hitting her fairway woods. And Joanne Carner told me, she said, you know, we played in the U.S. Amateur Final and she beat me. And it was because I got so frustrated. I would be going into the greens with uh, seven, eight iron, eight iron, nine irons, wedges. And she would be hitting a four wood into the green and she would put it inside me. She would have it inside me every time. So that would be kind of a neat one. To, to look at with a, with a long and a short of a guy like Bryson and Jim Furyk. And then one more that I came up with, which is a little bit off the charts, is how about at their peak, Brooke, uh, Brooke Henderson versus Mike Weir. Put them on their Ooh. respective tees, put them at their respective spots, and see, uh, see which one of Canada's greatest golfers uh, would come through. That would be interesting. I see that that is cool. That that's like okay. Throw out all the rules. Take them both in their prime. Set it up the golf course appropriately, etc. Off you go. That'd be fun to watch. I'd like yeah, that. All right, cool. Skulls, where did you go with this? Yeah. So for this, I I really thought of the Ryder Cup a lot when thinking about this exercise. And you know, obviously this is the match play. It's very exciting. So a couple. I'd I'd love to see right off the hop. You know, Ian Poulter at his best versus Patrick Reed at his best. You know, you'd see, you'd see people shushing each other. You'd see pumping each other up. Ian Poulter's eyes would be coming out of his skull because he'd be fist pumping and going nuts. That'd be one for sure. Uh, you know, Ian Poulter and Tiger would also be a brilliant one. Colin Montgomery had so many great matches back in the day in the Ryder Cup. That'd be another one I'd be fascinated to see. And then I went to a couple of rematches, which I think would be very entertaining for many different reasons. One of them, Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia, who arguably had one of the best Ryder Cup matches in terms of playing back in 2016, combining for 19 birdies. So that'd be fascinating to see in a match play scenario like this. And then a couple fun ones. How about Tiger Woods and Stephen Ames? I want to see a rematch. I want to see a nine and eight rematch. <laughs> what, what would happen after that? You know, after Stephen Ames was saying, you know, he's not really sure where, you know, what kind of game Tiger's going to show up with. And Tiger definitely took that personally. I'd be curious to see a rematch of that in the match play. And one more for you. Keegan Bradley against Miguel Angel Jimenez. Oh, back oh, in 2015, we saw going. them almost come to blows. Yes. Uh, you know what? Maybe we'd see that again. Who knows? That is good. That's good. I, you, wow, Skull. See, it's amazing what direction 
you, you take it when you leave it so open because my mind didn't even go there. I immediately started thinking about like jumping generations, right? So I immediately went, man, like who are the two greatest escape artists of all time? So I thought to myself, I would love to see a golf course set up super tight, like very hard to hit fairways, very small greens, like about as tight a golf course as you could get. And then I'd like to see Seve Ballesteros in his prime against Phil Mickelson in his prime. Because you Ooh, might have 18 holes where nobody hits a fairway. Right, Bob? Nobody hits a fairway. Nobody hits a green. <laughs> exactly. It would be amazing to watch these guys hit it through holes and over trees and up and down from places. And, you know, like the, the, probably the two greatest mag- magicians of all time. I would love to see that match. And then that's what kind of got my head going. I'm going, okay, so what other boxes do we check? Well, I kind of went with Phil again because I'd love to see Phil and Arnie, the two kind of people's champion from their generations. Yep. And then I thought, obviously, uh, Tiger and and Jack is an obvious one because, you know, arguably the two greatest of all time to, you know, go toe-to-toe to figure out what that, that would look like. But I went also on the personality route, like silent assassins. I, I always felt like Nick Faldo and Ben Hogan would be a great match because they were mechanics, didn't say a word, kept to themselves. You know, everybody's jolly old Nick now because he's chatty Cathy shooting stuff out on uh, Twitter, which I know you'll get to in Winners Weird and What, Adam. And he's, you know, mm-hmm. Sir Nick you know, shaking hands and talking to everybody up and down the driving range now that he's CBS. But, when you know, you can ask David Ferry this. When when Sir Nick was in his prime playing the European Tour and coming over and winning majors, he didn't ride with anybody. He didn't dine with anybody. He didn't speak to anybody. He was a British Ben Hogan, man. He just didn't approach the guy. So to watch Hogan and Faldo basically not say a word, for four and a half hours and hit every fairway and every green, I think would be just an awesome uh, match to watch. So I kind of went down that road with like, who are the, the different generations personality types and, 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 and where does that fit in? I thought that would be great, but uh, I don't know, Bob, uh, anything go generational for you? If you could go pull somebody who's no longer with us and, and drag them forward, a Hogan, a Sneed, a Nelson, anybody yeah. along those lines? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just having, having you talk about Faldo and, uh, and Ben Hogan, you could go and look at, as you said, generational guys who were, who were very similar, but, uh, you know, you could look at a guy like Byron Nelson uh, versus versus Jordan Spieth, the two Texans, uh, things like that. So there's there's lots of ways to. to That's skin a good that way one. to look I'm at to it. Think of a couple yeah. of other. I like that way though. Yeah, when you decide who's the best player to come out of Texas, for example, right? So like right. I mean, they have a legendary list of Hall of Famers out of Texas that you know, uh, amazing, ben amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, there yeah, you go. We'll so see. We should ones. ask our we should ask our Twitter universe. Hit us up at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter. At Golf Talk Canada on Twitter. Let us know. Okay? Chime in. Let us know what you think might be the best. Did we miss something? Was there something that you'd love to see that we didn't touch on? I'd be curious to see because sometimes our Twitter audience comes out with some great stuff and that uh, that we weren't <laughs> thinking about. 
Chris, do we know, are the, are the phone lines working yet? No, still no phone lines, so okay. uh, we can't give away meat. Unfortunately, we are unable, we are meatless in Toronto at the moment, and we are unable to give up meat at the moment, but we will find out if we can get these phone lines working or not. Okay, on the other side, we have two Canadians in the uh, WGC World Match Play. Uh, we don't know their brackets yet, do we, Adam? Are the brackets out? Have we, have we seen our Canadian boys' brackets they're, as of yet? They're slowly coming out. So Group 1 sees Dustin Johnson, Kevin Na, Robert McIntyre, and Adam Long. Basically. Okay, so still no Canadian bracket as of yet. So Not we'll yet. keep our eye on that. Maybe before we wrap today's show, we will find out where they, where they land. But we will talk about uh, potential chances for them coming up uh, in the match play, as well as Bob suggested already, Brooke is back this week. What can we expect from Brooke Henderson? A bit, a bit of a sluggish start, I think. Is that fair to say, Bob? A bit of a sluggish start for Brooke? Uh, based on her usual start, yes. Yeah, based on, yeah. yeah again, yeah. victim of your own success, right? It's a compliment. Same exactly. Brooke Henderson is off to a slugger start. That's a compliment. There's an interesting interesting tweet that just came out, by the way, from uh, Bryson DeChambeau. He says he's going to have some big news at 3 o'clock today. Big news at 3 o'clock today. He's going to a 73-inch drive. Left-handed. Left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what could that be? Oh, boy, I guess we have to stay on the air till 3. You should let Matt know and, and Andy know that we're staying right through, that, yeah. that we can't leave because DeShambo's going to say something. Guaranteed, Bob, this tweet coming out at 3 is some total cheesy uh, setup to kiss a sponsor's butt. That's what's coming at 3 o'clock. Probably. That's yeah, usually what happens, bo- right? I've just signed a deal where we're going to put... The- yeah, that's what's coming at 3 o'clock. Something that doesn't interest any of us is coming at 3 o'clock. Okay. On the other <laughs> it won't side... won't be really that big news. <laughs> yeah, that's what's coming. On the other side, something that actually interests you. Team Canada, World Golf Championship match play coming up this week. We'll do it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, Zakino Weeks, Scully. All right, before we get to Connors and Hughes in the match play this week, uh, Adam Hadwin, guys, coming off the top 10. Uh, five under par, he shoots 68 on Sunday for T8. So, Bob, Adam working with new coach, working on some new things. I'm guessing some of these things are sticking. Have you had a chance to talk to Adam and, and find out what those new things are or or the very least how he's feeling about them? Yeah, he didn't uh, get into specifically the changes that he's making. My understanding from what he, from what he did say was they were fairly minor. Um, a lot of them, a lot of it is also on approach. He's trying to uh, what, how he goes out onto the golf course, how he mentally sort of set what what are his goals, what's he going to try and do uh, with each shot. And he's working with a new coach, Mark Blackburn, and they've had. I've had a few sessions together, not as many as you think, at least in real life, but uh, virtually they've had a number. 
and he's been working on that. And I think you're right. I think this week is a certain to see a little bit of the of the uh, the change that he was hoping for. He um, he has been frustrated. I will say that I know that that he just gets tired of the 50th, the 40th, the high 30 finishes. He just doesn't want those anymore. He feels that he can be back to where he was when he was on President's Cup teams and things like that. And it's, you know, it's not, listen, he's not very, very far away from where he was. So it's just a matter of, I think, sticking with what he's got and uh, sticking to the program with the with the new coach and, and see what the results are. It's interesting. Statistically speaking, now this is a small sample size, guys. It was only four rounds of golf. But Scully, Adam Hadwin, positive strokes game putting every single day. In round two, almost three and a half strokes better than the field in putting. Okay, driving accuracy, fairly consistent most of the week. I'm looking at the greens and regulation, round for round. 55% round one, 83% round two, 55% round three, 72% round four. So there's a fall off in his iron play, it seems, every other time he go, he went out this week. Now, again, small sample size, but it, this tells me, Adam, if, if, if Adam Hadwin hits a few more greens, starts giving himself more looks, wow, that T8 could turn into a win pretty quickly. And that's probably a function of getting comfortable with these new minor swing changes that, you know, some, some days it's going to feel really comfortable and some days it's going to feel not the best and it's going to feel like you're you know you're thinking in your swing swing instead of just playing golf sort of thing so looking forward to seeing what hadwin has going forward it's been awesome to see Corey connors play some great golf hopefully hadwin is up next well speaking of Corey connors him and mac hughes in the match play um this is going to sound funny because Corey connors has obviously played so well but we were all very high on Corey's chances in the florida swing because of the type of golf that that is played in the Florida swing, right? It's it's a, the ball strikers, the cream of ball strikers rise to the top in the Florida swing. Okay, hold on a sec. Now it's match play. And quite often in match play, as you guys know, it can be a putting contest. Who makes the most 25-footers? Who gets in the hole first? Adam, does this now, I don't want to say, do you go cold on Corey? This week, because of that, I don't want maybe that's too much, or are you not as good, not feeling as warm and fuzzy as you were in the Florida swing because of the change in style? No, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on Corey too, and, and specifically as well, they've just released the some of the pools. Uh, ah, for we got it. Okay, we got what we were looking for. Yes, and so Corey Connors is in group 15 playing against Matt Fitzpatrick, Matthew Wolf, and Jordan Speeth. So a lot of great opponents there. That'll be uh, really curious to see how Corey does. And then as well, Mackenzie Hughes' group has also been released, playing against Webb Simpson, Paul Casey, and Taylor Gooch. So out of those two, I mean, Corey Connors, he's in a very challenging group there, especially, you know, we've seen Jordan Spieth make some high numbers in this, you know, recent little comeback. And in match play, as we know, it doesn't matter if you make triple or bogey if you lose the hole it's just a lost hole so obviously the the style of golf does change i think Corey's is good for this it's sort of an even keel way bob what do you think well i think uh let's not forget Corey connors in the u.s amateur 2013 he went to the semifinals 2014 he was the final he was the runner-up so those are some pretty pretty heavy duty match play competitions and uh you don't get you don't reach those those kind of uh positions in those competitions without some good vibes coming for you for match day. I think he's going to do well this week. You know, to me, what 
what he has kind of indicated is that he feels he belongs now with the best players, World Golf Championship events, uh, major championships. This is where he wants to be playing. This is where he wants to test his game against. And uh, he's going to get that full dose of it this week and then, of course, in two weeks at the Masters. That's a really interesting pool, though, when you think about it. Uh, so he's going to play with Matt Fitzpatrick, who is one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. And we know what putting does in match play. And then two of the most volatile volatile players on the PGA Tour in Jordan Spieth and Matt Wolf, Two guys that can make a ridiculous amount of stuff happen. Tons of birdies, eagles. No one. Uh, Jordan Spieth leads the tour in hole-out wedges. We all know what Matt, uh, Matthew Wolf can do to par fives. But in the same breath, Bob, those guys can also lead the tour in sevens, eights, nines, giving the hole back to the other guy. That's going to be a crazy group for Connors to be in because he's captain consistency of, amongst guys who aren't consistent. I, you know, and to, to Adam's point, the, the 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 physical side of what happens on the scorecard in terms of. You make an eight on one hole, it doesn't really matter that much. But the mental side of that for some of these guys, you know, you come off an eight and you're hot or you're frustrated at missing a putt or something happens. I, I think match play is so much more about momentum and about your mental approach uh, that you take in. And Corey Connors being that calm, even-keeled guy, uh, I like that style better than the, the volatility of, of some of those other guys in there. Well, especially that it's not one and done. It is, you know, pool play. And at least in pool play, maybe captain consistency against all that craziness can come out on top. Now, Matt Hughes, Scully, looking at that other pool of Matt Hughes, you said Paul Casey, who's a bulldog and playing great. Webb Simpson, who you might put into the same vein as, as Corey Connors in terms of level, level-headed, consistent, da-da-da. So Matt Hughes is going to have to go up against two, two tough bulldogs. Who was the fourth in that group? So Taylor Gooch, someone you were high on yes. going into last Missed tournament. the cut this week, surprisingly. He missed the cut surprisingly, but has played some good golf. So it's another really compelling group to look at as well. Yeah, and we're still waiting for Mac Hughes to show us that form that he showed late last year where he looked like he was just ready to burst out. And then it kind of hasn't happened for Mackenzie Hughes. So we'll, we'll see what our two Canadians uh, can do this week. And, of course, Hadwin not, not in the field, surprisingly, that uh, – waiting for Adam uh, to find some form again. It looks like he has coming out of Honda, so hopefully he gets back in it. Okay, switching gears, guys. We only have a few minutes left, and then we'll get to winners, weird and what. But Brooke Henderson, she'll play this week at Aviera. Uh, Bob, I know I said, victim of her own success, sluggish start. But that means, you know, it's just because we expect so much from her. Um, what, what are you looking for? What would be a success for you for Brooke this week? A top 10? Uh, making it to the weekend, or you put it high, you put the ball uh, bar higher for her. Yeah, I think a little higher. I mean, I mean, when you're when you are a player like Brooke Henderson, I think you uh, you probably set the the bar higher on yourself as well. I think top ten minimum is kind of what she wants. She's she's a, I mean, we know she's a top ten machine, right? Fifty five career top tens uh, in her brief career, and I I think she wants to get. Uh, I think she wants to see some some good consistent play out of there she's she hasn't broken 70 in the final round yet this year but i mean it's only three three tournaments deep so it's not anything to worry about uh but i think she wants to get herself at least feeling that she's close to being in contention whether she does it for all four rounds or not but uh leading into next week at a tournament that she loves at the ana you know she was mm -hmm. runner up in that playoff last year i think she wants to get things moving towards that direction if not all the way 
Right, and it's a great golf course. Two great golf courses in a row and events in a row on the LPGA Tour. Okay, guys, before we go to break, I've got to ask you both a quick question. Several weeks ago, we asked you the question, who would win first, Brooke Henderson or Mike Weir, based on their positions on their uh, uh, rightful tours? And we both, Bob, we, we went with Mike Weir, and, and part of the, sorry, we went with Brooke, no, we went with Mike Weir basically based on the fact that Weir will have more kicks at the can than Brooke. Or was it the other way around? No, it was the other way around. The other Mike, way around. Mike doesn't play again until after the Masters, and Brooks That's has what got a few events. So Sorry, yeah. sorry. We no. both went with Brooke. That's what I meant. Yeah, we both went to Brooke because she had more kicks in the can than Mike. We didn't go with Brooke because we didn't think Mike had, because he in, he's in great form. Yeah, all things being equal, I might have went with Mike over Brooke. Let me ask you both a question. Considering recent history since we asked that question, we asked that question three weeks ago. If I put a third name in that question and added the name Corey Connors, now who would you pick? Ooh. Corey Connors, Brooke Henderson, Mike Weir. Adam, who wins first? I still think it's Brooke Henderson, honestly. You know what? There's a couple, you know, we mentioned sluggish start, so to speak. But you know, if she just cleans up some parts of her game, 56th in par 3 scoring this year, 84th in putting average, and 90th in driving accuracy, which is very unbrook like If she cleans that part of her game, I, I like Brooke. Bob, what do you think? Uh, man, it's so hard. I mean, listen, the LPGA has got a tough s- schedule going right now. Aviera's very deep field. Then you've got a major. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out in a limb and say Corey Connors. Oh, I think, I think he's I like got something that. growing. Yeah. I think why he's got not? something going right now and playing well. Keeps putting himself there, right, Bob? He keeps every week. Exactly. He seems to keep putting himself there and, uh, and uh, as you're, to your point, more comfortable, feeling like he belongs there. That is a huge part of it. Okay, on the other side, there was certainly no, no shortage of uh, craziness in the world of golf this week. We'll do three dub. Winners, weird and what, coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino Week Scully. It is that time. Winners, weird or what? Three dub. And this week, gents, the tea is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Well, my winner this week, guys, is the Florida Swing. Now, this year, three tournaments deep, not just not the, the four with the Valspar being separated, but... You know, to get into a stretch of golf where ball striking and the difficulty of the golf courses, tee to green, are so good, I just had to make it my winner. And and the one that stands out for me, guys, the most is the Justin Thomas win at the Players' Championship. And the, and the reason it stands out is it is an example of, of a 
perfect example of what I'm talking about, what I'm trying to articulate here in the Florida swing. On the Sunday of the Players' Championship, Justin Thomas loses two strokes to the field in putting. He's losing two strokes to the field on Championship Sunday, yet he wins the golf tournament because Tita Green, he was just that much better. And to me, when you look at 95% of the greens hit at the Honda Classic and what Bryson did off the T-strokes gain at the Arnold Palmer, the Florida Swing is about hard golf courses, it's about ball striking. It's my winner, Bob. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, it always delivers. It always delivers intriguing golf. It always delivers entertaining golf. And and it's hard golf for all these players out there. There's never really an easy chance to kind of catch your breath when you're playing on those tournaments in Florida. So uh, can't disagree with you. Okay, my weird this week, guys, is uh, it's weird when you get to a certain age in life where you lose your filter. So, Adam, you must recognize this because you're the youngest of the three of us, okay? Bob and I are veterans, okay? And this weekend for the Honda Classic, Jack Nicholas, in the middle of a broadcast for the Honda Classic, decides to let maybe a little bit of the cat out of the bag that, okay, we're going to have a changes in the, gets his, do his best Kermit the Frog impersonation, and suggests there's going to be changes to the PGA Tour schedule, and the Honda Classic's going to be in a better place next year, and this isn't working for me, this is no good. Isn't it weird, Scully, that when, you, when men reach a certain age, how they just say whatever they want when they want at them? But uh, first of all, that that impression ten out of ten. Yeah, no, for, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know what? I, he probably didn't mean to say it. He was probably thinking it, and but you know, for it to come out, sometimes you just lose your filter. I haven't quite gotten there yet. I've gotten a little crazy the last couple of weeks, so I'm probably getting closer <laughs> to getting there. But uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Unbelievable. Well, you know what? We all get there, but uh, I guess when, you're, uh, when you've got 18 majors, uh, that also helps you kind of say whatever it is you want to say, right? So uh, my what is what a season, and Kevin Sylvester kind of touched on this, uh, but what a season for comebacks. You know, we're in a sport right now where Bryson takes a lot of the headlines. We talk about youth. We talk about strength, speed, power. But look at the comebacks this year. Some of the age of our winners and the years. Matt Jones just separated himself by seven years since the last time he won an event on the PGA Tour, the 2014 Houston Open. Well, that's a theme this year. Stewart Sink kicks off the season, winning at Silverado. Uh, Garcia, with a bit of a drought on the PGA Tour, gets it done. Martin Laird at the Shriners. Brian Gay in Bermuda. I mean, we yeah, we've had our Victor Hovlins and yeah, we've had our Bryson DeChambeau's, but, Bob, old guys who find the right spots on the schedule can still win week in and week out on this tour. Yeah, it's, and it's, uh, it's kind of encouraging for a lot of those guys. The, uh, it's funny looking at this week at the, the Corn Ferry Tour start list, and you see some names down there of that, uh, that little area where you go between not being able to compete on the PGA Tour and not being old enough for the Champions Tour. But some of those guys... Listen, if the right circumstances, the right week, the right conditions, and the right course, they can still win. And, and that, it, bang, and that's why it's all, and that's why Scully still thinks that Phil Mickelson is going to add to his PGA Tour win total, which he has said several times. All right, Bob, the tee is now yours. 
So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. All right, guys, my winner this week is, uh, is a gentleman by the name of Frank Thomas, which won't mean a lot to... unless you're a really hardcore golf person. But Frank Thomas, for many, many years, I think 30 years basically led the United States Golf Association in terms of the scientific research, but he had a long uh, connection with the game of golf. In fact, if you are playing with, a, with a, a graphite shaft, you can thank Frank Thomas because he was the guy who took it from the, uh, the business of fishing rods and brought it in to golf. And he had a whole bunch of things that he did with the strands and I don't even know all the scientific stuff, but made it possible for a shaft to be used in a golf club that could bend, it could flex, it could act like a uh, steel shaft, but obviously improve on that in certain cases. So you can thank him for that. You can thank Frank Thomas for uh, for uh, 6,000 6, different equipment decisions that he made as the head of the United States Golf Association. He had uh, so many different things about measuring distance. About remember the Polara ball, Mark? Do you remember the Polara ball? Yes, I do remember golf that. Ball? Yes, it was yes. a self-correcting golf ball. You would hit it, and if it sliced or hooked, it would actually correct itself just based on the dimples. Well, Frank Thomas was the guy who said, "Yeah, yeah, I don't think we can really uh, we can really use that." So this guy had so many great connections to uh, to the to the golf world, and uh, he passed away this week. So we say uh, thank you for everything you did, Frank Thomas. And uh, uh, our, our condolences out to your family. Uh, my weird this week is, uh, I want to know how much, Adam Scully, you would pay for a pair of Payne Stewart's game-worn uh, Argyle socks. You know, he always used to wear the plus fours, and he had those socks that would come up, obviously. How much would you pay for a well, pair I, of those socks? As you guys know, I, I do enjoy rocking a pair of plus fours every once in mm -hmm. a while. So I, I'd pay some pretty good dough for those, I think. Well, a pair of his Payne Stewart's that uh, he wore at the 1990 U, uh, Open Championship sold at auction along with some of his other things. But this particular pair, this item, went for $3,400 for a pair of dirty socks. Interesting. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. $3,400. I thought, yeah, so, so I thought people were holding on their money these days because of the COVID. No. <laughs> Apparently, we're out buying dirty socks, Bob. My question would be, would you actually wear them? Or would you just put them up in a shadow box and hang them on your wall? Or I, don't know I, I would definitely wash them first. Yeah, oh. exactly. exactly. Oh. Game worn can mean just dirty, right? That's, that's really oh. what it actually means. Yes. And my what, this, my what this week is, uh, what a great debut for, uh, for Morgan Pressel. Uh, she became uh, a broadcaster on, uh, on television this week, and I thought she did a really good job in uh, being an on-course reporter. Um, she is still playing golf. She says she'll play 17 to 18 events this year on the LPGA Tour. But she actually came on and uh, worked as an on-course broadcaster. And, um, and I'll tell you what, I thought she did a marvelous job. I don't know if you guys heard her or what you thought about that. Either well, you. I thought, yeah, I Mark, heard you, you're it. an on-course broadcaster. You know what it's well, like. Well, yeah, so no, I, mean, I thought she sounded very comfortable. And, in fact, in most of the d recent debuts, I, I think uh, this one stands out as as uh, in my opinion, someone who's very natural at it, and uh, and it usually takes a while to gain your stride, and that's why I, I don't uh, critique 
some of the other debuts, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word harsh, but I mean, like, I, you need time. And if they, and it doesn't usually work like that. And in, in related information, Bob, it's, it spurred me on to make a decision of my own. Uh, she was so good at it. I decided to get on the phone and uh, call uh, Lawrence Applebaum at his home this Saturday and uh, announced that if there is a CP Women's Open this year, I will be playing. I will make my debut <laughs> on the LPGA Tour. So uh, we'll, we'll sit on that one. More news to come. All right. Well, uh, with that, I will turn it over to Mr. Adam Scully. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Well, Mark, I look forward to caddying for you when you do make your LPGA <laughs> Tour uh, debut. That, that'll be fascinating uh, for sure. Okay, my winner this week, uh, Augusta National. So recently they've put out in the last couple of years a lot of great little vignettes and features online. You can watch all the final rounds on YouTube of the Masters. And they put out a tweet late last night that they're going to be releasing a short little film on the Champions Dinner which if, if it's as well done as all of the other stuff they do, I'm really looking forward to this. Bob, did you catch this? Uh, yeah, I did see that. And I know, uh, I think that folks at TSN were trying to work uh, hard to, uh, to try and get, get that. Uh, so they could, I think it's an ESPN documentary, as I understand. Is that my, if I got the same one right. And uh, seeing if we can get that on the air. I'm not sure if we've made that decision yet or not. So maybe I'm letting something go that I shouldn't be. But uh, I think it'll be fabulous to sort of see, as you said, anything that takes you behind the scenes at Augusta National where there's so much, I don't want to say mystery, but they're very closed-doored in terms of things with their membership and stuff, I think is, is huge. Especially after what happened, you know, Tiger, how emotional he says, or apparently he was at that champion's dinner, having to pull over on the side of the road going uh, to that champion's dinner because he was crying. So looking forward to seeing when that uh, is released. Okay, my weird this week. You know, we've seen some strange caddy stories happen over the years. And this came from Brent Henley, who's caddying for Robert Garrigus on the Corn Ferry Tour. On Friday, he tweeted this out. A caddy first for me. We finished early, had no chance of making the cut. So I checked out of my hotel, packed my car, then drove 120 miles towards home, only to find out that we made the cut, moved 14 <laughs> spots up the leaderboard, and went back, met my player for dinner, and that was my Friday. Mark... Strange caddy stories, that's got to be up there. Well, yeah, and it's not the first time, you know, stuff like this has happened, right? Guys that were, you know, uh, ready to board flights. And, uh, you know, even the Players' Championship, uh, we, you know, we did a top five on our Golf Talk Canada website, Moments of Players' Championship. You remember the year Ricky Fowler won, uh, guys, his mom and his girlfriend left for the airport. They had to that's rush right. back. Because he went crazy on the last four holes and almost missed Ricky win the Players' Championship. So um, amazing how often this stuff happens week in, week out. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Okay, then quickly to my what. So a couple of weeks ago, Nick Faldo had some really strange comments about Ricky Fowler, you know, saying if he doesn't qualify for the Masters, no problem. He can just shoot six commercials that week. It sort of came out of left field. It was really rude and blunt. Well, my what this week, Ricky Fowler happened to respond to Nick Fowler and spoke to the media. Let's hear that audio. I know where Nick was trying to come from on that. And, I, you know, it's like competitor to competitor. You know, you're trying to needle each other and get, get each other going type of thing. Um, 
I am fortunate to have some some great partners and make some some great commercials, and um, it's been fun to be able to do that. Um, I would much rather be playing the week of the Masters than than working, um, but. It's all part of it. Um, I'm going to keep kicking down the door. If, if we're able to, uh, you know, do something special in the next few weeks before Augusta, we'll be there. If not, we'll keep grinding, and we'll uh, we'll be back in the winter circle soon. I mean, good for Ricky Fowler taking the high road. He could have, if that was another player or anyone else, he could have easily just trashed Nick Faldo right there, saying, "What are you talking about? Why are you bringing this up?" But Boys, good for Ricky Fowler taking the high road. One of the great guys in the game of golf. Obviously, his game has struggled through the last year and a half, two years, but hopefully we can see him bounce back. A couple of weeks ago when Faldo made the statements, it was my what? And it was my what, not just for the statements, because the statements were done in poor taste, but the worst part about it was the half-assed apology. He didn't even give a right apology. It was like, uh, well, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but. And, you know, anytime an apology comes with a but, or an explanation. It's not a really a, a real apology. Uh, Ricky Fowler took the high road, like you said, Adam, and showed some class in, to uh, Faldo, who didn't doesn't deserve any in in this uh, in this capacity in this situation. It's uh, you know, it's it makes me sick to my stomach. But good on Ricky, mm -hmm. and I hope he gets into the field of the Masters. I hope somehow there's some miracle that happens between now and then that gets him in there. And I'd love to see him win uh, a CBS major, not an NBC major, a CBS major, so he could jam it down Nick's throat. Okay, on the other side, we're going to take a look at some leaderboards from the world of golf. And I think, guys, we're going to push our Mr. Butcher gift card to next week. We're going to give away two gift cards because I'm looking over Chris's shoulder here uh, behind the glasses. He operates the board and runs everything TS, uh, TSN radio from his uh, room here. And I see these gentlemen coming in and out as we're on the air. And I think they're coming out and uh, they're, looking at, uh, they're looking at the phone. And they're picking up the phone. And the other gentleman looks at the other gentleman and says, this is a phone. And the other one says, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, that's as far as we've gotten so far on fixing the phone line. So next week, we're going to just give away two gift cards. Make it easy. We'll have two winners next week. And I'm sure the phone lines will likely be operational by the time we get to Leafs lunch. So that's the other thing. We get Andy to give it away on Leafs lunch, maybe. But I, Mr. Butcher says two, uh, $200 gift cards next week uh, will get caught up. On the other side, we will do uh, leaderboard updates uh, from around the world of golf. Get you caught up on all things GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. And speaking of Adidas Golf, we're going to have an interview with Stan Smith, the legendary Stan Smith uh, from Adidas, who did the Stan Smith running shoe. And we're going to have that for you in the next few weeks. There is a very co cool product release coming from 
Adidas. We're going to have that for you on Golf Talk Canada television in the next few weeks or so. Uh, let's do some leaderboard updates. Leaderboards brought to you by Bushnell Golf, bushnellgolf.com, the number one range finder in all of golf. Speaking of Bushnell, I got a surprise for you guys coming. The new Bushnell Wingman, which is the speaker that plays the music on the golf course that also can give you like your GPS caddy. I was telling you about this last week, Bob, where you, you can press a button and the caddy, uh, the cart uh, will say you got 150 yards to the center of the green. It's like a, like a virtual caddy. There's also a chirping feature where you can chirp your competitors and your opponents on it. So we're going to do a wingman on a Monday radio for TV after a major this year. We're going to give away a wingman and we're going to have it in studio with us. And we're, I'm going to be chirping you boys with the wingman on the air. So we're going to have some fun with it. Apparently, you have different voices chirping you and stuff like that. That's so, beautiful. All right, Adam. Uh, wow. There was a winner on the European Tour. Who won? That's right. Yeah, Justin Harding won the Kenya Open. Of course, Justin Harding had that great finish at the Masters last year. Uh, Kurt Kitayama, the American, came second, two shots off the pace. On Corn Ferry, uh, Chitty Matcha, Louisiana Open, Roberto Diaz. Roberto Diaz in his 113th start, guys. 113 starts on the Corn Ferry Tour. Grabs his first ever victory. A one-shot victory over Peter Uline. Uh, Adam Svensson, the low Canadian in this one, uh, tied for eighth, which is a great segue to the Honda Classic, where we had a Canadian tie for eighth there as well, Adam Hadwin. So we had two T8s on the PGA and Corn Ferry Tour this week. Of course, Matt Jones, second career victory. Uh, next week, we'll give away two $100 gift cards for uh, Mr. Butcher. Uh, unfortunately, we were unable to get the phone lines up and operated. So hopefully next week, we'll be able to give away two $100 gift cards to Mr. Butcher uh, during the trivia uh, segment on our show. This week, we're back. PGA Tour uh, is in the Austin, Texas area for the match play. Bob, Adam, and I will break down the brackets. Golf's version of March Madness gets you set for March Madness. In this week's 60-minute edition of Golf Talk Canada Television, Wednesday, 1 o'clock, TSN4. Next week, we're back right here. You can listen to us on the TSN Radio Network. Of course, TSN 1050, iHeartRadio online. And every Monday following major championship golf, majors, playoffs uh we just did it for the players you can not only listen to golf talk Canada radio but you can watch it on tsn2 every monday our next monday will be the monday after the masters of course as we gear up for the biggest week in golf and we'll have a ton of content ton of masters content for you coming up in the next couple weeks between golf talk canada uh, all Bob's contributions to TSN.ca, of course, our Masters pregame coverage, extended TV coverage with all the digital feeds for early round coverage of the Masters. That does it for us this week. Coming up next is Andy Petrillo, Leafs Lunch. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf. And the all-new ZG21, lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.